Welcome to the Jeff and Jamie Show, powered by Streaking. Today we're going to talk about your child's first smartphone, a guide to the proper age, phone type, and parental controls, about our day of service, and also rewiring your anxious brain. No, we're not going to talk about that one? We're going to talk about laughter. Oh, laughter. Well, Jamie, how are you this morning? I'm great. (laughs) It's good to have all of you out there, fellow streakers. Welcome to September 11th, yes. which is the a worldwide, well, nationwide day of service and remembrance, which I love that we've taken an absolutely terrible event that happened. I was reading last night and going through pictures from that day right. 20 years ago, and I love that the way that we are remembering that is by having a national day of service. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to remember terrible things happening. Really? So you say it's a good way to remember terrible things happening, or do you mean it's a good way to remember the those who maybe were innocent victims of a terrible thing happening and doing service in their name? Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> Just that was a terrible day. Yeah, it really was. And it affected... Do you remember where you were on that day? I do. I remember. I was at home and you were preparing. I feel like you were preparing to go to work. I was getting ready. Yeah, I was getting ready to go out the door. Because we were in, we were in Colorado, and so the time difference, it was early morning for us. Mm -hmm. Early, early morning. Yes, and I remember that my brother called me, Mm -hmm. and he said, do you see what's happening? Because we hadn't had the television on, nor were we looking at the news. And in those infancy days, you didn't have Twitter or any of the instant social media that you have today. And therefore, we were just basically going about our morning routine, and he said, you might want to turn the television on. And I remember... That that is so. We saw the one of the towers burning in the background, and we were watching it. And I remember the news reporter reporting on this tower, and another plane. I saw the plane fly into the second tower, and she didn't even know what had happened because she was reporting on the first one. I mean, everything that had happened. None and I of saw us it expected and, that. You know, just that. Plane. It's kind of that surreal moment mm-hmm. where you ask yourself, "Is this really happening? Yeah. Is what I'm seeing on the television a movie or is it real?" And it was difficult to comprehend that it was really happening. Yeah. And so, so it's just as I was reading yesterday, again, revisiting some of the people's experiences and the pictures that were taken and exactly what you said, the, 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 the wrapping your brain around what was actually happening. Because I remember also the second thing that happened is, so the towers are burning and the news reporters are reporting on it and have it in the background. And then I remember the first tower falling. I know. Which... And that was another surreal moment where I just was absolutely amazed that this huge gargantuan building could just could buckle fall. and fall. And just, I know. It, oh. was, it was. And then we visited um, Ground Zero uh, several years ago after everything had been cleaned up and they put the memorial the in memorial place there place. where. Where for both towers, they have the waterfall that falls down into it. With all of the names of all of mm-hmm. the victims. Mm-hmm. On all yeah. the different panels mm-hmm. that go all the way around. Um, and, and do you remember what the sim- symbolism was for why they had the waterfall going into the ground? It had something to do with... I feel... And asking I don't me know. this without us looking it yeah, up. Yeah, without so even we'll looking it up. We'll have to look it up. But I feel like I remember it having to do something with we will never forget. Yeah. That that water continually flows. And because it was, it was so many of the people that perished were the ones that were mm-hmm. saving other people. Yeah. 
and we will never forget the sacrifice. And now you have the other um, World Trade Center that's there that's taller than the last and a beacon Mm -hmm. of hope and of freedom and that we can overcome. All odds, we can overcome. Which is what I love. I love the area where that they've made that area, that memorial is beautiful. It's absolutely, and it's sacred. You know, you know you're walking on sacred Mm -hmm. ground when you go there. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I love that we've turned it into a national day of service. In other words, we don't want to lose, we don't want to focus on the terrible things that happened. We want to focus on keeping our humanity, serving one another, loving one another, learning how to overcome differences. Which currently in our day and age with all things that are going on as far as to divide us, remembering that we are human beings and that we are united in our cause and purpose to be alive on this earth and Mm -hmm. to progress and to move forward. I think that that's an important thing to remember. I agree. So So anyway, head out today and find a way to participate in being of service and being of service and small, whatever. Don't if you're not listening to it on September 11th, which is when we're actually recording and putting this out to the world, then whenever you listen to the podcast, we invite you to go out there and maybe start a streak of service. I it How is, about that? Do I you ha- have a service streak? I do. What's your service streak? Do one act of service a day. And what do you count as one act of service daily? Anything. I've counted I've counted recycling. I've counted I remember smiling. there's sometimes where we're at the end of the day and Jamie says, I need an act of service. How can I serve you? <laughs> I've run down to the basement to get your iPad when yes, you're already you have, in bed. I've appreciated so that. that. I can do an act of service for you. That's been an interesting, so you bring up an interesting point because that has been an interesting streak for me because it's one of those ones that be, can, can be difficult because you think it needs to be bigger. And I'll, I will have at the end of a day. The point of the streak is to help me reach this place where I am noticing more opportunities. Um, and that's what has been. So some days I go to bed and I'm like, I had a great service day. I spent the whole day doing this and I don't even have to try and think of how I did an active service today. And then there's other times that it'll be three or four days in a row that I'll sit in bed and be like, was I of service to anybody today? And And then I'll think, well, I made dinner for my family. Is that service? And I'll go through this whole analysis of, well, I do that every day. Does it count? And and the thing that's been interesting is that as I as I go through that, I've really come to recognize that so much of what I'm trying to accomplish with that streak is to be of service. But what has to happen is me changing from the inside out to just notice yeah to even notice the opportunity right just know that i'm actually serving of some way or another and that sometimes recognizing and looking back and asking was i of service is also helping me to reach this point where i start to look forward at the beginning of the day where i look for opportunities Mm -hmm. to to be so it's really helping me that's one of my favorite streaks of of an example of really striving to become a person who notices opportunities to serve others. And it's something that goes on, like it it carries on through your whole life. Which is one of the core premises that you have, and also I do, of streaking, which is it's taking things from an unconscious state to a conscious to a state. Conscious from conscious state, intentional. Yes, an intentional state, deliberate. I'm actually going to move forward with this, and I'm thinking about it all the time. And I don't know that, I don't know that, being a person who notices opportunities to serve would ever become a habit. It's something that I feel like I need to continually be feeding that desire and nurturing 
that desire to want to be of service to, to notice those opportunities. So I had a dynamic conversation <laughs> this week. We're not going to talk about it on this podcast. However, something quite amazing happened this week with streaking. And I had a conversation about an individual uh, about, uh, well, and how I got to this conversation relates exactly to what streaking is all about. It was doing one of your streaks. Yeah, it was doing one of my streaks. We but we're not going to talk. That. We, yeah, we'll share it later. It's a whole podcast. It's a whole We've podcast. A... Yeah, it's later that we'll have to do that. What I want to get to now is, well, first of all, so set a streak to do one act of service, at least daily, and it's small and simple. Small and simple. And it's okay to recognize that even if you're looking back at your day and saying, oh, that was of service to another person. I believe that counts. You're bringing that subconscious to a conscious level. And that's what you're wanting to do so that you become a person who is consciously, intentionally thinking about being of service to other people. So recently we've updated our social media campaign to be, if you want to change the world, start a streak. Yes. And I believe that that is at the core of what you're saying in regards to looking at and considering what's the one act of service that I can do daily, looking outside of myself and seeing what I can do for others and and looking at it and saying by that one small streak that one small act of service a million drops of water and that's all of a sudden now i have a flood of service yes and that can be you every day a million times recognizing it or what if a million people decide at the same time to do a small act of service that's going to change the world absolutely so. so, and that that appeals to, I believe, a lot of what um, young adults are looking at doing today is, I want to be of service to others because I want to change the world. I want to do something that contributes to the world. I think of your brother, Nick, and that's one of the things that he talks a lot about, is being able to look outside of yourself and serve others. I believe I read an article, like a Harvard Business Review, that did a study and here I am just spouting off from memory, so I haven't Go done the it. research on this. But the gist of the article was that this age group that's graduating college, that it is important to them to do a job that feels like they're making a difference in the world. Absolutely. That not everything is about making money or getting power, but that there is a drive within them to want to do something that makes a difference. And so that the, the article... I need to go back and find it because the article was talking about how social issues and and maybe not social issues as much, but just these these issues in the world, philanthropic issues that need to be addressed, how to merge those with this group, this age group and their jobs. Right. Because they have a desire to want to make a difference, to yeah. solve these problems. Yeah. And that as we work together, both business and philanthropy working together, do you know what I appreciate about you is you'll amend anything that you say with, well, I haven't done the research I know. and there are people that are blowhards out there that have not done one ounce of research and have all these opinions and people will listen to them. I don't want but to be for one you, of those. For you, it's like, I haven't quite done the research, but you're one of the most well-read people that I know as far as, <laughs> and even that, she's like, no, that's hyperbole. She's looking at me going, no, that's not true. I'm not the most well-read. But she will spend, she's been spending this week. I just want to let everyone know just what she's been doing this week. Every day after she's taken the kids to school, she's gone to the library and studied. It has been so much fun. So much fun. So I feel like I'm I would in college say that again. You don't need to amend. You don't have well, to say. Well, I want to go back and you don't find have to the say, article because I haven't it was good. done the research. You know, here I am speaking without any type of authority. 
you have done great. I love you. I, I love know, you. but but that honestly, guys, I I mean, I look at it, and there's times where I am I just sit back, completely amazed at what comes fr- to Jamie's mind and mouth, and that and yet she'll am- amend it with, "Well, I haven't really done the research." For her, I just want to tell you what this means. I have not gone to school, gotten a master's and a PhD in this particular subject. Therefore. Take what I'm saying with a little bit of a grain of salt. Yet, she has a degree in communication, specifically in advertising, which is a really interesting one, and also has raised seven children, two of whom are one of whom is going to be a lawyer, I guess two because she's married to, they're both going to law school. The next one is an artist and graduated, and her husband is becoming a teacher. And the next two want to change the world. (laughs) They want to change the world. Which is But you're not well read, so I love Sorry, it. I just have to I just have to spout off on that. You went off I on know a because that's what Let's... happens. This 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 idea that you know that I have to research significantly. She's now saying, Okay, you can shut up now, Jeff. There's people out there that are saying, She's right. We need to do research. <laughs> and that's why they like listening to you. And there's other you. people that are like, He's right. Why do we have to have all this studying? Let's just keep <laughs> and, going. And that's why they like listening to you more than me, is because she's like, Yes, she we do need to research. We do need to have the data and the background and the information before we can go off on any of those things. So with that being said, let's go to how your child's first smartphone, a guide to the proper age. <laughs> phone type, and parental controls. I don't know who this journalist thinks she is to be able to say what it is. What? Oh, okay. All right. I, I just got something. First thing but she let's says. Just, let me just say this, though. All right. Before you read her paragraph and before you go off on that, I have an allergic reaction to anyone who says, this is your guide. Let me just tell everyone out there, every single one of our listeners, you are your best guide. You make the decision as to what you want to do in your life and how you want to do it. That's what I love about streaking. You make your own streaks. Don't tell, don't have anyone tell you what you need to do. You decide for it yourself. All right, go ahead. I'm off the soapbox. Are you sure? I don't know. I may go off one more time. Go ahead. <laughs> this is what I love that she says. So, right, it's Julie Jargon. And this is the We've Wall read some Street. of her articles before. Yeah, She's a tech writer in the Wall Street Journal. I actually like some of her stuff. I do this too. one I just I tri- I was triggered by. That's because you didn't read the first part of it. All Determining right, the right age. What we know. Who? Who is we? Who knows this? The experts. Yeah, and who are the experts? That's what I want to know. What we know <laughs> is that there is not a magic age for when a child is to get a smartphone. Okay, so that's the first ten sentences in. She she communicates clearly. There, we're not going to tell you the right age. We're not going to tell you this magic age. Okay. There's no. So I should calm down a little calm bit here. Calm down. Okay. It's a guide. They're more like guidelines. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. That's what you're going to quote more, to me. These are more gu- like guidelines. <laughs> They're not necessarily rules or laws to but live I by. Love, but I'm. But I'm with. Actually, here's what I love about this, though, yeah. is that what your passion is, is and and. I love this because you've instilled this in our parenting as well. And your passion is is that to, to, to believe in your own intuition and to believe in the things that you know are true. Mm-hmm. To trust that you know what's going to be best for your own child. Absolutely. I think it's great that people write about and study what other people are doing. and Because the next part of this is that there's no magic age, but we can tell you that by age 11, 53% of the kids have a phone. And that is it. So that Not is a data point. Not just a regular phone, but a smartphone. Yeah. So that's good information to know when you're looking at your child 
and they're like, everyone has a phone. Do and you, you know, can be like, not everyone, but you can know, you know what? Half of the people do. To them, it probably does seem like everyone has right. a phone. Do you know, just a little side fact, that <laughs> there is more computing power in your pocket than there was in all the Saturn V rocket that took the astronauts to the moon? Is there really? Yeah. We have more power in our phones in than your what pocket, they had to travel to the moon? Than what they had to, to travel to the moon. That's right. And if you've ever seen a a depiction of how big the Saturn rocket was. Now, it was mainly just a great big bomb. It was a huge fuel tank. However, to look that at they, that and that they, they had... They rode on. They rode on it. Here we go. Light this candle. We're rocking to the moon. With a and flip phone. With a, No, it's not even a flip phone. That even had more computer. With a switch. Hey, flip this switch and bus A and bus B and flip those switches there. And So it's any wonder that we have to have a guide for... To help our, navigate. To help navigate. There's so much information And I think the information, the data that we have, it does... Like what... What what is in this article? I think does give some good. She asks, I think, four questions in there that she I does. think are really good. She's she, so so the que- so what I feel like she's saying is determining the right age. What I hear her saying is you've got to determine that for yourself. However, there's no magic age. In other words, not every child is going to turn twelve and now they're responsible and ready to have a smartphone. You may have a child that's responsible at ten, and you may have to wait. You may feel like my kid's going to be okay. like sixteen before they're responsible enough. It I got to bring on- this up. Your mom wouldn't wear, let you wear makeup till you were 16, huh? No, can you believe that? <laughs> and look, I got married. It's a miracle. <laughs> no, but isn't that it? The reason I bring that up is it's how different is the day and age? Yes. We're not talking about wearing makeup anymore. In fact, probably six-year-olds are wearing makeup. Not that it's the right thing. So but here's what talking about smartphones and how social media has put pressure on and what that is, I think that plays into whether or not you're going to have a smartphone for your child. Go ahead. Yes. So the questions she asked, and, and here's what I, here's what I, here's my personal belief is that I think that if you want this to be something that becomes a great opportunity to work with your kids, include them in the discussion. Don't just evaluate their performance and make the decision for them. Mm. Help include them in the discussion because as I look at all of this, it's great opportunity to talk about But they don't know the anything. Issues. I'm just going to make do. the decision for them. No, they know so much more than you think they know. They really do. And they know what's going on at school. They know. We have experience, but I don't want to underestimate their abilities. They may have, they may lack experience. Mm-hmm. But their ability may not be as lacking as what we think it is. Okay. And so when we talk with them, we get perspective that we don't have because they're dealing in a different time than we were. And and when we talk to them, they get perspective that they don't have because we have experience. Right. So this is what I loved is that as as the parent is determining the right age is what she's saying. I would say, talk with your kids individually and and ask these questions of them. So the questions are, do they show a sense of responsibility such as getting their homework done on time? What a great discussion to talk about how does getting your homework done on time have anything to do with getting a smartphone? Well, I can think about how many times we've had a conversation with our children asking them that the ones that do have a smartphone, have you gotten your homework done? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, are they responsible for their things? Do they tend to lose or damage personal items? Okay, I do think yes. this one is important because I look at it and I'm like, that is frustrating as a parent when you're like... Okay, how many of our children's first phones 
within the first couple of months had cracked screens. Oh my gosh. All I mean, of them, you name it. it. Like, I mean, they would get bloody fingers from, get bloody fingers because their screens were, so, and then they came up with this great solution, which they would put packing tape over yes. it after it broke. And they're like, it works great. Well, and because what we told them is we're like, we'll get you your first phone. That's what we'll do because usually it's a hand-me-down. And then every other phone after that is yours. And so they will live through. I mean, some of the screens that they've lived through. <laughs> I've just been it's like, <laughs> almost you almost can't help but to admire their ingenuity and their resilience to work with such damaged equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, and it is bad. Bad. It is bad. This I is mean, my what, other favorite. Go ahead. Do they keep their devices as, as such as a tablet charged? It drives me insane to get them a phone and then it's always out of juice when I need to get a hold of them. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, when I'm trying to find out when you're going to be home or what's going on, your phone is dead. Right. But the rest of the day. Right. So, yes, that's an important one. Would they be able to resist texting or scrolling in class? Okay. No so one is. I just want to say this right say. now. I'm like, that's a ridiculous question. Maybe we should all ask ourselves yeah. that question. Yeah. Can I can I resist scrolling or texting in class, in my work meetings, in my work in general, anywhere pretty much I am? I remember a picture that Natalia sent to us. She was yes. in the airport and she said, people get on teenagers for being on phones. I just want to show you this picture. And she took a picture and a row of like 10 to 15 people all adults, all adults were on all their devices. On their devices. Yes. And She's like, really? I mean, why do we get the bad rap? And I love that she brought that because it's a good point. That's why I was saying we discuss it because I look at it and I think this idea of resisting, resisting the desire to text or scroll when you should be doing something else. That's a lifelong pursuit. That's not just something that goes away as you become an adult. So the practice that you get as a teenager, the talking about it as a family looking at some of these things and saying, this isn't just a teenage issue. This is so this a technology is, issue a that technology all issue of us are board. learning right. to which, manage. Which brings us to a parenting principle. Don't you love it when I, when I kick into my little advertising voice? Or I love into my it when the alliteration voice? works. Yeah. Parenting principle. Parenting principle. One of the principles that you and I have believed in is that you want your children to experience something in a low-risk low cost environment rather than a high risk, high cost environment. And what we mean by that is basically inside your home where you have the opportunity to influence your children, you give them as a parent the license and the liberty to be able to do whatever it is they want to do in the sense of their phone. So let me give you a case in point in this. That's a little conceptual. Let me bring it down. When our first daughter got her first smartphone, the big rage when she, was that you limit the amount of texts that they're able to send and you limit when they can text and you take their phone from them. You know, you have them gather it in a basket. Can you tell his feelings about the way in the way that he's <laughs> saying this? There's a lot of there's a lot of people and writings out there that say you should do that this is app that is absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous i'll tell you that right now it is just insane to do that jeff is in rare form today people uh, and you i'll tell you why let me tell you why okay and it's and and by the way so in my opinion as i share it with you know this you have the opportunity to choose for yourself that's one of the things that i believe in over everything as as a parent you can work with your child in whatever way 
that you feel is necessary for them to develop the strength to be able to do what they need to do in the situation when you're not there. Okay, so with that being said, the big rage was, and maybe it's still today, I don't know, was limit the number of texts. And I remember going to dinner with friends where they would be like, yeah, my my daughter or my son sent 10,000 texts. You know, I'm like, well, how do you even know that? Are you counting them? Yes, I have a I have a, a watchdog program that sees how many. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You, you, are, you are nuts right now to do that. Because what is it teaching them? Nothing if you're controlling their whole phone. They're not developing any strength whatsoever. I would disagree a little bit. You're teaching them very clearly how to work around your parental. I've had that experience before where I've watched my kids ingeniously, literally ingeniously, work around. You're thinking of Lily, aren't you? I am thinking of Lily. <laughs> She's one of our ones that, man, she can work around. Okay, any- she. Ha- I had an example. So she had a class where the teacher required them to hand in their phones in order at the beginning of class. They had to put the phones in the basket in order to be able to, um, when you walked into class, you put your phone in your basket. It drove her insane. She was personally offended that she couldn't be trusted to have her phone in class. So she took a dead phone she she would charge a phone that we weren't using no way she would dump that phone in the basket and keep her original phone (laughs) but the thing that's hard and here's what's interesting and i think it's human nature it's something we need to be aware of as parents is that and and adults working with teenagers or children the minute we do this ultimatum you talk about this all the time this underlying communication so when you take someone's phone away you're communicating, you are not trustworthy enough, smart enough, disciplined enough to handle this. I'm going to take it for you. It communicates, you're I weak. don't trust you, you're weak. And it, it ignites something inside of most of us that's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell me what to do. And I'm going to find a way to well, do what and, I want anyway. And, there you, and then you hear these stories like, oh, they're so rebellious. They're so rebellious. Well, that's because I've taken every other choice away from them, and therefore they can't make the choice on their own because the only choice that they can make is the one that's going to be in direct defiance to what it is you're telling them. And I'm not kidding with you. I have been. I have had times where where I've heard stories or seen it in my own kids where the depths and and the ingenuity that they will go to is almost admirable. It's almost like, wow, you came up with that. To get around my rule? I mean, <laughs> wow. wow. That is awesome. I'm, I'm trying not to be impressed here, but I'm kind of <laughs> impressed because I would have never thought of that. <laughs> and so the thing I think that's so important is that what you were, you were going back to talking about practice. We talk about, you know, 10,000 hours of practice to become a master at something. But sometimes as parents, we go the opposite direction and we're like, we're not going to give them any practice. We're going to take it away because we're so scared that they're going to do the wrong things or be exposed to the wrong thing. And then we throw them out into the world having had no practice and, and, and all of this abundance of ability to get now, whether that be, you know, free time or technology. Do you see why or, I'm married to this amazing woman? Do you see why I give her a hard time about all the research that she needs to do? I mean, that is literally what you have done with each of our children is said, I need to help you build your own strength. You know, you're, they're, they're bench pressing 300 pounds and if that's if they're benching that right up front with no spot with no help with no whatsoever help, with no that's difficult and so inside the home is where you can have a low risk a, a low risk what was the other word where high I was opportunity, high opportunity but low risk 
environment where you're looking at it and saying, I have what, or what we have right here is the opportunity to help them build the strength they need as necessary. So let me finish the rest of the story. So our, our daughter got her first phone. Um, the first night that she got the phone, she stayed up all night texting. Yeah, she did till like two in the morning. Till two in the morning. And she, and she got up that I shouldn't be morning. laughing, but I was laughing. <laughs> I, I mean, she was I excited about I'm it. I'm laughing because I'm like, seriously, how many people listening to this haven't done that as an adult? Exactly. Haven't, I did it last night. I stayed up until 12 o'clock surfing last night. Yeah. You were blaming it on the Diet Coke, though. That's what you said. Both of them. Lack of <laughs> discipline. I guess that's what I'm saying is that how many of us really have achieved the things that we're sometimes expecting our kid teenagers to achieve. You we're still working on it too. Such a great point. And I'll let you finish your story. The next morning, no, I think that's great because you were right there with me. Megan, she she said, man, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you are staying up till two in the morning texting. And we had a conversation about it. And I asked, I said, so what do you think you'll do? And she's, because as a, as a parent, I think it's easy to jump to, well, you'll need to give me your phone. Mm-hmm. And what did I just communicate? You're too stupid, too weak, too whatever to do this on your own. Right. I, I, the all-knowing authority, I'm better. I will take your phone. It's important to recognize. We think what we're communicating is, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm loving you. I'm loving you. I'm protecting you. Right. But we do need to recognize that. there's there's a lot of communication going on in that. And, but what and if they make a mistake? It'll be so scary if they make a mistake. So that's where those open lines of communication are so, so valuable. Mm-hmm. They're going to make a mistake. We've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made what mistakes. What we want to try together. and do is keep those mistakes small enough that you learn and don't make the bigger mistakes. Right. And, and I'm a big believer. High opportunity, low risk environment. That's where and I want to be. Here's the other thing that I recognize is that People are different. What's hard for one person isn't hard for another person. Facebook may be really hard for one person and completely easy to ignore and never get involved in for another person. We each need to find out where our weak spots are, where those areas that we're not as disciplined as we want to be are so that we learn, oh, you know what? I'm not as good at that. What can I do? What have other people done? What kind of systems can I put in place for myself? so that I can become stronger in that area that I'm weak. I saw this very clearly with money and the different way that our children handled money. Mm-hmm. What was hard for one was not hard for another. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's so valuable as a child, as a teenager, that's what you're doing is you're learning where your weak spots are. And right. we continue learning that, but as we get older, the cost of those lessons becomes much higher. Right, exactly. But as a teenager, those costs can be lower and mm-hmm. a little bit supplemented by the parents. You know, we're supplementing the costs. <laughs> exactly. And so they can learn without having to do it all on their own. Well, and that's what, so I asked Megan, I said, so what are you going to do? And she set her own rules. I, I wanted to write a book called, um, what was it What was it called? A House Without Rules or, or Teaching Children How to Set Their Own Rules or yeah. something like that, where basically they set the rules for themselves because that then gives them the opportunity to learn what it is they want to do mm-hmm. and how they need to govern themselves to be disciplined to move forward, to be contributing citizens of society, yep. to be productive and to have the opportunity to contribute in a way that is positive and wonderful. I think that we limit people, we limit our children when we do everything for them or mm-hmm. when we take away all opportunities to learn, all opportunities to make a mistake. You know what? I'm not going to allow you to make a mistake. And maybe because we do I that. Because I don't want you to get hurt. 
And why? Because I was hurt when I made this mistake, mm-hmm. and so I know better. I love it in Matilda. You're big, or I'm big. You're small. I'm smart. You're dumb. Yeah. Or you're, is it? You're stupid. And the thing that I look at is such a great show. But what we're doing as parents is having the opportunity to set up and and set up situations. Probably not the right word, but to allow situations to take place that give our children experience in the home where we can talk to them about it. Yes, to capitalize on the opportunities that are there. So I love this. Getting a phone is such a huge opportunity to talk about so many things. You talk about discipline. You talk about responsibility. You talk about one of the questions it asks in here was dealing with social pressure. And it said, are you just getting your kids a phone because everyone else has a phone? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. And and at first I was like, oh, you don't want to do that. But then I'm like, well, I had one experience where one of my children had gotten into middle school and he was really struggling with friends. Like he, he felt lonely and he didn't have any friends. And my older daughter came to me and she's like, mom, he needs a phone. Everyone has one. Everyone, they text. That's how they communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you do. And yeah. I can be grumpy about that all my life. You know, I can say, well, they need to talk to each other and they... And not that I'm saying, I guess what I want to say is that as a parent, you're going to know what's best for your child, but talking to them is hugely helpful. And I did end up talking to him and saying, you know what, maybe it is time for you to have a phone Yeah. so that you can, and we can start. And he does. He communicates with all of his friends that way. In fact, that is how communication is done. In fact, if you, I think detrimental is one of the things where I take a phone. I mean, what you're, you got to be real careful about what you're doing when you're taking a phone because you are cutting off all communication to all friends at that moment. And it's different than how we were, it than is. how we grew up. But it I'll is. tell you what, we have to, I believe we got to be real careful about doing something like that because it can have some da- some really destructive consequences. A phone to the kids that have grown up with a phone is different than a phone was to us. Mm-hmm. Can bad it, things happen there, on the phone? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's and why need to be careful. And that's why we talk all the time about it. I mean, we are that's the other parenting principle is is having the communication. That's for example, having at least one family dinner weekly. You know, we talk about having a streak, and I think we talked about this type of streak earlier on, having at least one family dinner weekly where we can open up the lines of communication and talk about what is it that you're seeing on your phone? What are some of the things that your friends are saying? Uh, how are you interacting with your friends? It is amazing to me, just on a little side note, how quickly they can get a party together. Oh my goodness. I mean, without, I mean, like in 10 minutes, all of a sudden we'd have like 15 people show up at our door. You used to have to like plan ahead. <laughs> Way ahead, when the parents were out of town. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing, so so my takeaway from this article and and what I felt like as I read it and what I guess I want to communicate to every parent out there is that Use these opportunities to talk to your kids. If there's something you're deeply worried about your child being exposed to, talk to them about it. Don't be afraid to say, this is what I'm worried about. This is why I'm anxious about doing this, making this decision. This is what... I think one of the things that you do really well as a parent is you look at our children as individual human beings. You respect them as a person. You don't treat them as an extension of your of yourself, and you don't treat them as as an object in our home. You actually respect them as a human being with their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own opinions, and what it is that they that, that motivates them. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to get into this framework where the child is an extension of ourselves, 
and it's and it can be detrimental now they may i remember this you were you were um really thought that megan would turn out a lot like you she looked like me and everyone was like she's like a mini you and i for the longest time i was like she's just like me and it was so easy to assume that she thought like me and she felt like me because she looked like me and we Mm -hmm. were buddies and we did everything together and i'm like she's a mini me yeah and she got into the high to the the uh, um teenage years and she started doing some things that I would have never done. <laughs> like, and I'm like, she's, she's not you. Me. She's, Jeff. <laughs> she's Jeff. She's Jeff in Jamie's body. <laughs> now I've come to realize she's Megan. Yeah, she's Megan. She's Megan. She's a little bit of me. She's a little bit of you. She's a little bit of the experiences she's had. And the other thing that's... Most of all, she has decided who she wants to be. And that's what I love that's about I love providing that environment. You were going to say something. Here's a pet peeve I have. I love my children and I feel like I know them, That's but a pet I don't peeve. ever want to say, no, yes. not a pet peeve. This is my pet peeve. <laughs> okay. Is when parents come in and say, oh, I totally know my child, this, 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 and this. I don't <laughs> think we can ever totally know our children. It's not fair to say you totally know somebody because people are having experiences and evolving and changing and growing all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so... We want to, I wanted to embrace the idea of, I always want to, I always want to be getting to know my children. So what if I want to be a better parent? So let's bring streaking into this for just a second. I want to be a better parent. What are some of the streaks that I could set to be a better parent? As you look back on our past and what we've done, you know, if we were earlier on when we were starting just with Megan and Rose, what, what streaks did we maybe unintentionally set? We didn't keep track of it, but what streaks might we have done? I think one of them being, we're going to have at least one meal together a week. So yeah. something that's laughably simple. We're going to have at least one meal together a week, mm-hmm. I think is a good one. What what else kind of comes to mind? I don't know. I'm just kind of brainstorming this one. I think there's personal ones that you can set to listen to your children better. You have ones where you reach out and make personal that's contact. True. That's true. And I feel like what that's saying is, I want to be present and mm-hmm. notice I guess you. mine is to I want to connect with at least one child daily and that's connect is different than contact because I have mm-hmm. them both I have one where I, I want to contact one child daily and the other is I want to connect with one child daily and that connection to me is just looking in their eyes asking them a question and being present mm-hmm. with them as they give the answer not going on to whatever it is that I think I need to do next right and then because we have a strong religious foundation um, reading scriptures together as a family mm. was part of it. Also, yeah. our church puts out a pamphlet called For the Strength of Youth that was guidelines on everything from dating, making friends, how you dress, the music you listen to. And it just talked about principles about how you make those decisions. Right. And I would read from that often. You know, so that and may be a streak. Because read, it opened up the opportunity to discuss. How... Read at least one sentence from For the Strength of Youth daily. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be for you personally or it may be with your children. Right. You know, one of the things I was thinking about too that might be a cool streak earlier on, because we love, my mom and dad gave us the uh, book Parenting with Love and Logic by Jim Fay and Foster Klein. And that changed everything about who we were as parents. I mean, we, we, we kind of had an everything. idea, but it changed everything as far as how you really enable uh, children in your home to have their own choice, to have their agency, and to be able to use it in a way that helps strengthen them. I 
and I th- so one of the thoughts I had is if I want to be a better parent, in other words, things are not going well, you know, whatever reason, I'm not feeling like it's good and I, I, or I just want to be better. One of the streaks may be I want to um, review at least one parenting principle daily. Yep. And you can find that anywhere. Anywhere. I love that to review because it just keeps you thinking about and this idea that I want to be continually learning about how to be a better parent. Yeah. Because the world is changing too. And and I have personal experience from having so I figured out the other day that my children's age ranges has been fun, but my oldest daughter graduated from high school in twenty twelve. Chance will graduate from high school in twenty thirty. Just chew on that for a second. Because <laughs> I had to. You're young. Twenty twelve <laughs> to twenty thirty. So I've had a unique opportunity to see children experience the high school experience through a range of years yeah, and to see how much just in that range of years, society and high school specifically has changed in the challenges that they're facing. My, my oldest children compared to my younger children. And so it's, and it's helped me to realize that the world is changing. Yeah. It's always changing. It's, well, as technology gets introduced into it and as, as communication gets quicker, you and know, it and always I can receive has been that way that, yeah. that that's the world changes and, mm-hmm. and a decade makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And so looking at Ooh, it and thinking, that was good. A decade makes a difference. It does. I so, like that. So my experience going through the same thing as my children is going to be different because I went through it at a different time, but I still have experience. And so I just so strongly believe that the best way to do this is to communicate with them. They have things that we don't know and we don't see. And we have things that they don't know and they don't see. And when we work together as a family, as, as, a, as a group of people who are willing to communicate, we get the most broad picture and come to a place where we can make a decision that's like, okay, that is the best decision for our family. That's good. We feel good about it. And that allows you to withstand the social pressures, the people that are going to say, why did you do that? Well, I would never do that. Well, you're totally wrong. To We're do so that. glad Whoever... that you wouldn't do that, but it's it's really your choice. And so I love, I love that when we've talked about it and we've worked together as a family, we can go forward being like, no, we've made this decision and we feel good about it. You know this what? Right One of the streaks. Family. I just thought about this. One of the streaks that I had that wasn't a streak, <laughs> but it was one I would um, have a personal interview with each one of our children yes. monthly, once at month. least one time a month. And I did that for quite some time. I haven't, I'm kind of fell off the wagon on that, but that was one where I just sit down and talk to them. And that was a blast for me. I really enjoyed that. One of the other things I was thinking about though is, so I brought up earlier that there was a rule that you couldn't wear makeup before you were 16. And hard, fast rules. What do you think about those? You have to be careful. <laughs> Some of them are, here's the thing about you rules. You could have benefited from some makeup when you were, what, 13, yes. 14? 15. <laughs> I could have really benefited some, from the, some makeup at 15. Here's the thing is that, okay, so I had some hard, fast rules, things that I committed that I was like, I am never going to do this when I was a young mom that I have broken because the circumstances have warranted that a I'm like... A decade makes a difference. A decade makes a difference. And so I think the thing that's important is that there are there are rules and ways that we want to live. But when we discuss the why, that helps people understand a lot. Mm-hmm. And then also to be careful that things change. So we've talked a lot about we're never going to take our kids' phone away. 
I'm sorry. I've taken. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we got know. to number six and I took his phone away. <laughs> right. You're like, it was a different circumstance. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take it right. away for a while. You need a break. Because in that situation, the evaluation was, I need to take this for a little while. You've got a great point. So that's So I went where... off a lot on, on what it was, but I still hold to, as a parent, you have the intuition, the inspiration, the revelation at times to know when something needs to be done. And you should follow that. I mean, you, you should, should absolutely follow that. Don't be afraid to follow that feeling right. inside of you that's saying, okay, I and need to And on do the this. same note, don't be afraid to allow each of your children to have experiences, whatever those experiences might be, in order to build strength. I, I just think of the one, uh, the, the friends that we had that had a hard, fast rule, no video games in the house. Their son was, you know, straight A's across the board. And when he got to college, he... On a full ride scholarship. On a full ride scholarship, fully across the board. Their son flunked out. Freshman Because year. why? Because he started playing video games. Hadn't had the experience on what it means to, to control and discipline yourself and to build the strength. He had no practice. No practice. Zero. And that's just... So now you're in a... a you're, it's high risk and in this... And you, a lot to lose in this environment. And you know what? There are some lessons that need to be learned there. Wow, we did not even get to laughing. No, but we laughed a lot. We got on parenting. <laughs> got we could talk about parenting forever. For a long time. All right, next time we're going to talk about rewire, rewire your anxious brain. You've been wanting to talk about that one. And we will talk about laughing. Until that time, if you have any questions or you want to comment on what it is that we've been saying, give us an email at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, at streakingmastery.com, or Jamie, J-A-M-I, at streakingmastery.com, or download the app, or go to the website. And by the way, we're looking for beta testers, absolutely looking for beta testers. Shoot us an email if you'd like to beta test the new upgraded version of the app. It is coming out, and it's going to be absolutely life-changing. Awesome. Amazing. All right, well, that's all we have time for today. Until next time, keep streaking. Keep